August 13th, 2010, Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket, beginning an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere, so start your own with Betfair's free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the Betfair exchange and get a £5 free bet. With each free bet you win, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in, back on exchange bets, placed Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds to £1.55 free bet awarded at Bet Settlement. Ballot for 72 hours, T's and C's apply, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. The final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by attheraces.com your ultimate resource for finding winners. While the flat season, now up and running, has been coming at us thick and fast, it is nice to be able to take a break and talk about jumps racing. We just had the Galway Festival, a Galway unlike any we saw before and hopefully we'll never see again, but yet there was some top-class national racing to look back on, and we'll do so with At The Races pundit Kate Tracy. Hello! Really good to be back again, reviewing Galway. Rightly so, too, and uh, hope you had a good time camping. Not my kettle of fish, but whatever floats your boat, Kate. Also, one of the shrewdest in the game from the Bedford Exchange, Ryan McHugh. Well, Emma, how's it going? Yeah, no, it's good to be back. Um, I wasn't camping a weekend, and if I was camping last week, I'd try to camp in the middle of Galway, I'd imagine. <laughs> Sneak in. Sneak in. Let's get into the Galway plate, which was won by Betfair brand ambassador Joseph O'Brien. Another big win for him at Galway, but this one hurts, to be honest, because he beat Royal Rendezvous. Uh, who was our podcast horse, particularly from Danny Mullins. Uh, some great insight from Danny. And he ran a stormer, to be fair, but early doors had just a bit too much for Mark Walsh and Joseph. Cabaret Queen running a fine race for Jess Stafford and Danny Mullins back in third. Ryan, what was the reaction on the Bedford Exchange and your own thoughts on this year's Galway plate? Yeah, early doors. I'm surprised he went off. He BSP 10.86, Emma. So I'm surprised, given the fact that he ended up winning the race, I'm surprised he him off a little bit shorter because obviously he was six pounds lower than, than when he won the Martin Pipe. At the Cheltenham Festival a few seasons back, and um, he had he had a run over fences around the course too, which is which probably stood to him given the fact that he's only had uh, that was only his fifth chase start. So he's done well to win, and um, he probably beat the right horse too, Royal Rendezvous, who went off favourites in the end. Um, he, Royal Rendezvous showed that he stays out of two miles six. He he was staying on well to the line. He was obviously keen in his in the early part of his career, so it's good to see him um, finish second. So I think. The form, even though Cabaret Queen and, and the West Awake were third and fourth, they're probably not two horses you'd like to see that close, given the fact that the West Awake is looks fairly exposed at this stage and Cabaret Queen already won a big handicap chase. So, but where early doors was good, the cheap pieces definitely helped. He was down the bottom of the weights. Mark Walsh gave him a brilliant ride. Um, he's been riding well for a number of years now, Mark Walsh. And as I said, he probably beat the right horse in Royal Rendezvous. And the top two are definitely horses to take out going forward, maybe into the likes of a Kerry National. And, Sure, if Royal Rendezvous turned up, he definitely stayed at three mile. Judge them what we've seen um, in a stiff finish in the plate. Fantastic ride from Mark Walsh. The first time mm-hmm. cheek pieces, though, I'd say were a big help as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with both of those. And I think it was interesting the way that Mark Walsh rode him as well, because it was obviously the um, the first race on the chase course as well there that day. And we've seen previously with the rain coming down on the day that it had paid to actually come wide, swinging into a home straight to try and find the better ground. But obviously it didn't, the ground didn't matter then for the Galway plate. Uh, so it was no disadvantage to be down the inside. And he managed to still get the box seat even after the false start and then the standing start, which just goes to show how good Mark Walsh is. And early doors, he isn't a big horse and he just looks like a proper Galway ready-made type because he's small and nippy for the tight nature of the track, as well as being neat and compact enough to jump the fences on the turn, which most of Galway's fences are just on sweeping turns. But he's clearly got plenty enough speed to deal with the sharp track. He's stayed so well also. And whilst all the others were clearly tiring, he was running through the line 
best of all, I thought, and only extending away. And he got the second last wrong, but luckily, uh, strangely unlike Sandown's railway fences, actually, that these fences, the the second last and the last, that even though they're closer together, if you get the first wrong, you can recover well enough for the second fence. Then he clearly showed what an engine he had to weave between four horses in front of him, swinging into the home straight. And we knew how well handicapped he was for this, but he did have to prove his handling of fences which he did very well on the whole too. And as you say, the first time cheek pieces probably did help that with his jumping as well. But it was just a very well thought out plan, came off nicely, followed his handy pipe opener, back over hurdles on his reappearance, put him right for the Galway plate. Uh, as uh, yeah, Ryan was just saying there, Royal Rendezvous, he's run really well to finish second on his first handicap chase start. And has backed up his very good novice chase form now from last season, has handled the hustle and bustle really well. And he's just bumped into a proper plot job really this time but it's exciting to see next time in, in similar contests where uh, which we'll be likely to see him in all season you would have thought and he will win a good handicap chase on the basis of this run so that was really good cabaret queen she loved being on the front end she's a great jumper nowadays too has run a cracker to finish third and able to sustain her run for as long for, for far longer than I think most were expecting but at the same time she stayed really well we knew that she stays well so maybe dropping back to this trip with the front-running tactics, has seen her to optimal effect. And I hope she kind of stays to this trip now, really, with those tactics, as we know she'll be seeing out the trip well. And if she gets an easy lead, she'll be able to pick up a few more nice races to back up her good win from last season. Uh, the other one who was interesting in the race was a storyteller, but I know we're going to touch on him a little bit more later. But mm. I just thought his win later on in the week was started here by Davy Russell, really looking after him after he made the mistake, got his confidence back by jumping two more fences in his own time and has uh, given him a confidence boost so that he could then take and, and do the York Hill then from last year uh, into a race two days later that we're going to touch on a bit later, I think. Yeah, it was the fifth fence that he was pulled up in and mm. it just it was a, the right decision to make. Uh, Eddie O'Grady nearly pulled off one of the greatest of all time here because the West's Awake has been a very expensive horse to follow. And for a second, I thought, he's going to bolt up. He's going to bolt up. And then he just folded like a cheap deck chair. But for a... I think if Philip Enright, I think if Philip Enright could have rolled it again, he probably would have held on to it a little bit longer. When you look, when you look what happened in the straight, I think Mark Walsh was, was fairly happy that, that the West Way took, took Philip Enright to the front as early as he did because he could just... Yeah. Steve Walsh was, was um, in behind, just waiting to, to take him as far up the hill as he could. So I'd say if, if he could ride the race again, Philip Enright... I'd say he might have held on to him a little bit longer, but he did run a blind, as you said, and fought at a big price. He went 150 on the on the exchanges. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you were on, like, if you're on each way, well done. But dearie me, that, mm. that, that would have I been. Should mention, I should mention 11 to 8, 2.38, he hit in the run as well. So. Oh, God. <laughs> You'd feel sick if you'd taken the, the 150s. Oh, dearie me. Uh, Royal Rendezvous. What next for him? Kate summed him up really nicely. But Ryan, what what next for him? And what next for early doors as well? Um, as you mentioned, I'd imagine the, the Kerry National will be on both their agendas. Uh, it just fits in nicely with this race. If you stay two miles six up the hill in Galway, you're going to stay three miles in a flatter course in, in the stall. That was off 146 for Royal Rendezvous. Um, so you'd imagine he'll go up maybe three or four for that effort, which will leave him on an all right mark still. You'd imagine going into the Kerry National. And similar enough to early doors, I'd imagine the winning distance was three quarters of a length, but as Kate alluded to, he's probably worked a little bit more. So it'll be interesting to see what the handicapper does. I had maybe eight or nine, uh, nine or ten in around that in my head. So that will leave him um, on the high 140s. 
you'd imagine he'd be competitive off that mark again, as I said, because given the fact he won the Martin Pipe off 145. So um, it'll be interesting to see if the two of them do turn up in the Kerry National. I'm sure it was three quarters, three quarters of length between them, but it'd be a bit of a weight difference, I'd imagine. Seven pounds there, Royal Rendezvous was given early doors. So I'd imagine it'll be much closer in Kerry National. And um, it'll be interesting to see if, if Royal Rendezvous can turn the former now. Yeah, big time. Um, two horses that I think still have big races in them. And Paul Townend was obviously proved right on the day to choose him. Uh, he's the least exposed of them, but it will be fascinating to see what the handicapper does to him. Uh, that was the plate. The Galway Hurdle was won by Willie Mullins, who was the king of Ballybrit for the week, and won by a former grade one novice hurdler in Armouron. Uh, he was really impressive at Tipperary, and the comments from Patrick Mullins afterwards were he thought they might have shown their hand there, uh, but he was delighted with how he jumped, and he was really a joy to watch, Ryan. Yeah, I think the main takeout for this was, I think, Patrick Mullins in these big races. Um, he's such a brain. He, he talked after the race that, that Dennis O'Regan, he knew Dennis O'Regan's obviously not renowned for making running horses. He knew that when he seen him making the running, he wasn't going to go a mad gallop. It obviously, it was a change, a change of tactics on Hunter's call. But he just said to himself in, in, in the post-race interview that he knew he wouldn't be going too hard in front, so he wanted to sit as close to him as he could and not let him get a freebie. He obviously switched him out at the right time, turning into the straight and away in a way he won. He just keeps it so simple in these big races, Patrick Mullins. And um, I think it's a credit to him. Obviously, he's an amateur that he's ridden so many big race winners. Um, I just think he's a really good brain in these races, um, be it pace or positioning in races. And that told on Armand, who was a really good performance in fairness to win off top weight of America 155. Again, he'll probably go to low 160s, which will leave him uh, firmly in the champion hurdle picture. I'd imagine he'd be campaigned that way this season now with maybe something like the the Christmas hurdle at Kempton he could take in on the way to that. He was matched to the highest 75 for the champion hurdle. He's into 22 now, so if anyone fancies him for that race, that's probably not the worst bet in the world considering it looks at open enough champion hurdle. Um, at this stage, obviously, you're a long way away. Um, but I imagine that's what that's the route they're going to take with Armand. As I said, 155 is is a high mark to win off. And... Um, other horses out in the race, I suppose. Bill Me Up Buttercup, who came out and was beat on the flat then later on in the week, she hit a, he hit a low of 2.6. I'd say plenty of people got out with her on the run because that's not the first time she's travelled well in a race. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as looked likely, she ended up finishing fifth in the end. And it was an interesting market mover before, uh, prior to the race, was Mount Leinster. He ended up going off 5.4 um, on the exchange. He went. He ended up going off um, second, or, sorry, favourite on the Felix Daisy was 5.5 BSP. He was 5.4. So, that was a really interesting market move um, for him. He was a little bit unlucky. He made mistakes at the wrong time. He just got a little bit shuffled back. So he's only a six-year-old and he's still racing a bit keenly. So I'd imagine when he learns to settle a bit more um, and maybe jump a little bit better, that race next year might might suit him really well uh, considering he already won on the level uh, during the week around the track. So, But as I said, I think it was all around Patrick Mullins giving Aramon just a, a really solid ride. Um, he doesn't take too many chances. I think he's always in the right position and he showed once again that even though he is an amateur and maybe not the most stylish, uh, he's well able to produce it, um, given the horse. He has a fantastic tactical brain and he's very self-deprecating. He never talks himself up. He's always constantly talking himself down. But once again, Kate, he was absolutely spot on here. Ryan summed it up really well. Uh, Sharjah went on to be a grade one winner, having taken the, the Galway hurdle. Can Armouron follow in his footsteps? Yeah, I definitely think you have to think of him as a champion hurdle horse now for next year. 
after his light used to be posted up to 160 after that. And um, and as you say, after Sharjah last year, and a very similar ride, actually, that Paddy Mullins gave uh, Ar- Aramon in comparison to Sharjah last year as well. So he would know himself who if he's likely to go on to be that calibre of horse. And as uh, Ryan was saying, to win this race carrying top weight was some performance on a mark of 155. So uh, I definitely would have to think of it. And, and yeah, again, as Ryan was saying, that it's a pretty still we thought it was open enough looking last year and it still does again for next year the champion hurdle division so uh, obviously Goshen's going to be throwing Spanner into the works but Aramon he's solid now so you're going to have to take him as a very serious horse looking ahead to a champion hurdle and we knew going into this race that he was one of the class acts in the field and he was keen enough on the front end of a rail but he must have a fair amount of speed to even get on the front end of a Galway hurdle because, as usual, they're all lining up to make it, which um, you're always happy to see him to do that, to, to have them out of trouble, to be on the front end and just able to see their hurdles, really, because you know, as, as we saw further down in the field, it was a, it was a bit messy further down with a few of them. So, um, yeah, really nasty. I'm happy I'm happy that, uh, that Felix Deji and Moon over Germany and played the game were all okay after that incident. Uh, yeah, that was really nasty. But um, yeah, I guess just the biggest danger though when you're in that instance of where Aramon was kind of on the front end is setting two hard fractions up front. But I like that once Paddy Mullins had Aramon where he wanted him, he was then content to take the lead and let Hunter's call cool slip up the inside to take up the running. I thought that was just a really decisive move by Paddy Mullins. Um and as um, Ryan was saying there in his interview afterwards, it was so interesting to see such an intelligent race reader because then to sit one off the rail in, Kenny, in case Dennis O'Regan didn't set the strong fractions as he usually doesn't. So just in case he had an escape route should he need to take up the running again. But he was still fairly keen, even with the lead uh, then of Hunter's Cool. But then, as I say, he gave a very similar ride to Charger. And, uh, and it's also put Aramon's liking for left-handed tracks query to bed also here, which I liked, uh, just proving kind of that or dispelling that misconception. And after the last, when the second and third horses were coming to challenge him, he was able to readily pull away from them, sprinted home with his fast daisy-cutting action. So really, really impressive performance all round. Second place, Hearts of Trumps. He bounced back from his disappointing reappearance run really well. And congratulations if you backed him at a, at a, at a big enough price to finish second. Petit Mouchoir, I, I mean, it was criminal, really, that he was allowed to go off at 25 to 1, even under joint top weight albeit a few Morgan's seven-pound claim off of his back in the race. And we knew what a great season he had last season, despite not actually getting a win, but he was solid as a rock, threatened to cause some upsets on numerous occasions. So he's run another cracker to finish behind Aramon uh, again to give the former further solid nod following their run in the grind hurdle on their previous starts. Hunter's Cool could have done without the rain beforehand, building up Buttercup. She's such a strong traveller, but there's, I don't know if it's a hole in there somewhere. She just doesn't there's, stay. There's nothing don't there. Think no, she just doesn't stay two miles, which is frustrating when you're running over hurdles. Doesn't <laughs> really work out. Bad. No, it doesn't really add up. <laughs> I'll be back on the flat one mile four. Then I'd be interested in talking to her about. But I've, I'd love to see what low she's hitting running on all of her starts because she's come there cantering every single time, similar to Mount Leinster, really. Uh, and just nothing off the bridle. <laughs> But to be fair to Mount Leinster, he actually got really badly hampered in that Felix Deji fall as well, which set him back. But he stayed on nicely under pressure. Kind of sort of a, a knock back at us for calling empty Leinster. And uh, yeah, just Felix yeah. Deji then to finish it off. Happy we can, got back up there. can we still do that, Kate? Can we still call him empty Leinster or is that now <laughs> done? This week. <laughs> He'll disappoint again. Don't, don't worry. He'll disappoint again. 
he, he'll he sucker you in and you'll be all over him and he'll just empty. Don't, don't fall for it. And I, yeah. Great story. Look, he's won on the flat, as you said, and he's, he's uh, run a fine race here after, after being badly hampered. Uh, post-race notes on that, actually. Um, so Felix Deji bled from the nose, but he's okay. So that's obviously important. The same for Play the Game and Moon Over Germany, who did not uh, bleed from the nose, but Felix Deji took a mother and father of a fall. That was horrific. Mm. Uh, there was a noise from Mount Leinster. Woof. Uh, sorry, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't stop it. I don't know why. I don't know why. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry at all. Um, and Petit Mouchois is a legend. He's an absolute legend. What a storming race he has run. And you're right. Uh, we didn't really even touch on him that much on the pod. I, I feel bad about that. Um, but Armoron is going to be very, very interesting going forward for grade one races. And I see no reason why he can't. And what a story. I mean, syndicate ownership, it's an important thing. And Supreme Racing, like they've done such a great... Oh, wait, no. Did, did we all have shares in, in Armoron? Are we all trying to get prize money? <laughs> Jesus I think Christ. so. When you think about the levels that went to, Unbelievable. Uh, delighted for Willie and delighted for Armoron and his connections that they just, actually... Just interested. Just interested. Sorry for cutting across, Emma. Just what what um, what Kate said about building your buttercrow. I'm just looking at the, the in-run and lows that she's hit. Um, from <laughs> 10 starts back, she said, these are the prices she went in running and got beaten at. So 1.2, 1.6, 3.2, 1.55, 1.33, 1.86, 2.1, 2.6 and 2.24. Oh. Now, Thank you for digging those out. That was brilliant work, Ryan. I do have to say well, something, you've, though. In run and layers dream. Exactly. <laughs> if you haven't learned by now, you will never Thank learn. You. Cue her bolting up by 10 lengths next time out over two miles over hurdles. <laughs> but, God, that's harsh. Um, yeah, in running layers in clover. Uh, any other horse that you'd like to take out of the race, Ryan? Um, not particularly. Um, I think it's probably worth touching on on Felix Daisy. Um he obviously was sent off four to, four to one around, in around nine to two on the exchanges, and I think he lost the race at the start. Um, he yeah. tried from the front. Obviously, he got crowded out at, coming to the first hurdle. He was a bit sketchy over that, and then we all know what happened to him. Then at, at the next hurdle, he got he got a bad old fall. So, um, what he done in Navin obviously is really impressive. There was, there was lots of takeout in that race in Navin um, on the flat. And obviously, the horseman behind probably didn't get as close as they should have to him, but. Um, the fact he went off, he was so strong in the market. I think a mark of 151 probably under, underestimates him over hurdles. So if he was he was back to, to get back to to um, his front on the tactics and the next day in a similar race like that, I think he could be really dangerous. It's just I think at the start of the race he was lost and and he was on the back foot when he when he got to the hurdle where he fell at. So um, I'd probably keep an eye on him going forward after mark of 151, just considering how strong he was in the betting on that day. I wonder where he'll go. Where would you? Because he's going to probably need a little bit of a break. But where would you yeah, like to see him next? Um, I suppose they might think of their races like the Greatwood off that that type of mark. I, I'd say they'll try and exploit that mark before they, they they move into Grade One company because there's no point in running them in a Grade One off 151. I'd say they'd rather maybe um, no, they have a 160 plus horse in their hands for sure before before they do that. But. Um, I, I, I'd like to see him stick to another handicap the next day, and um, think, I think he, he'd, he'd definitely be towards the head of the betting because obviously he fell too early to know what happened. But his race was probably over early when he didn't get to the front. He's not an out now front runner, but I just think he definitely he, he's definitely better when when he when he's in front. And even if he got a lead in second, he'd be fine. It's just he was too far back to um, to run his race, and you all know what happened after the second. 
if he can just press the leaders in something like the Greatwood, he'd have a great chance. Uh, I'd be very, very interested to see him there. And he should be in your at the races tracker, if not, because that could be the ideal race for him. The very man we talked about on the podcast, he won the Play the Tote Jackpot Novice Hurdle, 4.45 at Galway, the list race on the 29th, uh, and ended up doing it quite well. Uh, was there any significant market move? Was he being pushed in late? Yeah, he was up to around two to one on the exchange at one stage. Emma, he went off a BSP of two point four seven, so just under six to four. The highest he hit in running was two point six six. So um, I think that kind of sums the race up. Uh, it was very straightforward for him. He got a lead off off Henry the Romheads and um, tell me something, girl. It went a decent, decent gallop. He's just a very straightforward and likable horse. I think the very man. Um, even though this was a listed race, it looked on paper a weak listed race. Getaway Gorgeous finished second, and I wouldn't think she's anywhere near Willie Mons. Um, better novices for the year uh, with a start no needs horse only had one on over, over hurdles in, in, a, in a poor Gower maiden hurdle and um, my midnight was beaten plenty in maiden hurdles so I don't think the form was worth anything even though it was a listed race and I imagine long term um, his, his future will, will, will revolve around um, handicap company I can't really see him being a grade one horse he's entitled to run maybe in a grade three novice hurdle in the next next three or four weeks considering the time of year we're in but I think when the winter horses start coming out, um, his form of ones might start turning into fours and fives. Yeah, he's making most. He's making hay while the sun shines. And if Davy had exactly. a blueprint, it came off to perfection, Kate. Yeah, it really did. And you were saying earlier about the rain coming in. You can see Davy's plan, just plotting a slightly wider path throughout the race. Before the rain really started powering down, and we saw that trend then for the rest of the evening. That uh, it was it was actually paying off. Yep, to swing into the home straight uh, of plotting a wider course. So he that was kind of first done with the very man. Um, and he travelled really well throughout. And you look at his action, you see why, well, A, Davy Russell wanted to find him some better ground. And B, it was a positive for him that he was run- that he was running in the first race before the rain had really set into the ground later on. And if anyone was listening to our preview podcast for Galway, I was commenting that he was so unlucky, he was so lucky not to flip at the last flight on his last outing before Galway when he won at Ross Common. But Davy Russell was alive to that, made sure he wasn't in two minds this time around, seeing a lovely long momentum providing stride, four strides out at the last. And because the last hurdle at Galway can be very tricky because you're effectively still meeting it on a turn, which can make it very steppy so uh, there was just no fear of that with the very man he ran out an easy winner they decided not to run him then the next day on the Thursday on Novice Hurdle won by John Snow which was interesting so uh, maybe there are other plans for him or maybe he didn't eat up maybe he didn't trust up 100% the following morning but I was hoping to see him out again with the ease he won uh, this slightly tougher race really than John Snow's for the for um, that bit of depth albeit that I didn't necessarily rate the form in behind of either of those or maybe they just uh, didn't run him because they wanted to keep him to two miles instead of stepping him up to two four and a half which is what he would have faced um, the following day and I know he stays further than two miles but he just looks like such a quick horse to me that I'd want to keep him at that for the time being because his turn of foot looks to me to be his biggest asset but in saying that this was uh, the race that springboarded Penn Hill to everyone's attention before he went on to win the Albert Bartlett later yep. that season so it's not as though this race is solely for speedy types but it just to me looks like his best asset at Getaway Gorgeous in second you, could, you can see why she wears the hood because she is very keen and you wouldn't say she jumped with fluency. She's going to have to improve that going forwards. And I would say most of her mistakes were because of her keenness. So she was just more focused on that than paying attention to her hurdles. But considering how keen she was for the most part of the race, she's actually seen out her race pretty well. So that's a testament to uh, some ability there at least 
tell me something girl she was loving bowling along out in front just like she did in her winner Ross Common she's a lovely looking straightforward type so you can see why they used her, those tactics on her she jumped really well a little bit left at times but then she just started hanging like a gate left under pressure so uh so Rachel did well to get her to finish where she did really in third because she you couldn't fully ask her for effort as she was mostly trying to keep her on straight path. So she was, I thought, unlucky not to finish second, really. But yeah, I say the form in behind doesn't necessarily look overly convincing to take forwards, for albeit the very man being pretty straightforward there. But yeah, I think I, I totally agree with what you guys are just saying there, that I think it's definitely a deliberate ploy to have them out at this time of year for the ground and also to be picking up these listed type of races whilst before facing sort of any of the heavy winter competition. Things can only get tougher for him, but he might be able to win a couple of more before the big guns come out. We might as well then move to the Guinness Novice Hurdle, which was the race that he could have lined up in the next day. They were really considering it. They genuinely were. Uh, but ultimately, it was a pretty uncompetitive affair, and Jon Snow has taken it in straightforward fashion. He was being talked up as the latest Willie Mullins, Rich Ritchie, Supreme Novice Hurdle, hope he's come from France, get on now. That didn't pan out at all. But nothing to say that he can't go forward. And this was a smart enough performance, Kate. Yeah, it was. And as you say, without the very man, it would have been a massive disappointment if he wasn't able to capitalise in this race and win it. And yeah, I agree. I thought he's been pretty disappointing on the whole in his career so far, considering his profile, considering kind of a name he came with and the prices he's gone off at so far to have only won twice from his eight starts when he's had some good opportunity since joining the Mullins Yard from Chaffey's Yard. And in uh, and um, we know he's had his issues, but hopefully this win will be able to get a winning thread going now, Then He's a really good jumper. So going forward uh, is the best thing for him to make the most of the rhythm that he's able to get into. And he's a lovely looking horse. You can see why he was talked up. And he travelled really well throughout his race, keeping his head in front, looked a very deliberate ploy, I thought, by Paul Townend. But it was a very easy win in the end, uh, as as you would have hoped and expected. And, um, yeah, I'm not sure we've learned masses about him, mm. but at least he has had no attitude doubts there because if he had lost this race, then there would be some serious questions asked of him. But you can doubt his attitude here. He had his ears pricked the whole way around, looking to be enjoying himself, ran out an easy winner. So, And uh, just another one, just to touch on there, the horse in second, Belfast Banter. He's uh, another one who's a weak finisher. And Galway, obviously, we know will will highlight that. If um, if if you go to Galway, you can't be a weak finisher. You have to have stamina on your side. And he's another one who's a really strong traveller. As we talked about with Mount Leinster, build me up, bus cup, rarely sees it out. So there's another one for the lay in play for future reference, especially because this form might read okay on paper after his second place finish behind John Snow at the Galway Festival. So one to take forward to be back against in play or laying in play. I think Belfast banter. And a very important piece of knowledge to have there as well. Make a note of that. I did hear a rumour that if Jon Snow was beaten in this race, he would be sent to join the Night's Watch at Castle Black. You know nothing, Jon Snow. (laughs) Straight over my head. Have you never watched Game of Thrones? No, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. Never what? Oh, that's okay then. Oh we can get up on him. You're the odd one out here, Emmett. You're the odd yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, trust me, I'm not. The worldwide. You you have no idea about the Night King then. The long night. That oh. If it wasn't for the fact me? if it wasn't for the fact that the finale was such a disappointment, I would be telling you to binge watch Game of Thrones now. But it is still a great show. It's just that they really ballsed up the landing. Um 
Ryan, for you, John Snow, briefly. Yeah, I don't think there's too much to say here, Emmett. Um, I agree with what Kate said in regards to Belfast banter. He did hit 2-1 in, in running, having went off 7.3 in the exchanges. So um, he's probably a horse that, that flatters to deceive going forward. John Snow now won a second race over Hurdens on both, both occasions he's made all. So maybe change of tactics when, if they... Um, if they're to ride him prominently, that might see him at his best effect. But it was just, it's a small point on the race. It was interesting. I think it was a bit disappointing that RT showed this race as opposed to the handicap hurdle, the following race um, on the card. Um, I don't think a two to seven chances is something we want to be really sure yeah. for. We can't even have a bet each way in the race. So have a look at the race the last few seasons. It was only six runners two of the last three years. Like um, So I think they could have maybe done a swap around there and showed a competitive handicap hurdle that was next on the card uh, over this race, which was basically. Uh, a nothing affair. John Snow went out, made all interested. The handicapper gave him a mark of 129 before this run, probably put him up a few pounds after it. But um, it, go, it goes to show that he's going to have to improve plenty if he's going to contest any of them great hurdles in the winter. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I'd agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, I, I do wonder, I wonder how many people are watching Irish racing now. Because if, if it wasn't for RTE doing their weekend shows, and obviously they're going to be at Galway, but they don't do what happens in British terrestrial television. They're not at the races every single weekend. We don't have that here. Now, they're doing it for now because it suits them because there's nothing else going on. We're, we are starting to come back to GAA. Um, but I wonder how many people are actually watching Irish racing now. Well, that, well, that's why I kind of brought up the point and the fact that now is a big time to, to promote the sport. And I think you need to get everything right. Um, and, and with 48-hour decks and whatnot, you have plenty of time to get things right. And I just felt, I know the very man was a non-runner, but even if he did run, it's a five-runner race. Basically, it's a match. You know what I mean? There's not, there's not like the normal punter sitting at home or the normal person who's watching RT on the telly don't really want to be seeing them race. That's not going to promote the sport. I think a handicap, the next race in the card, more competitive race would, would have um, would have been much better to, to show on, on RT. But it was, it was only a small point that I, I, I made, but... Um, I think we need to be getting everything right if we're going to gonna hold hold people um, down to the sport. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think, well done to Jane Mangan and to Hugh Cal. They did a brilliant job promoting the week. Uh, it's tough when there's no crowd there. That was one of the things Nick was saying, was Goodwood is eerie with no crowd. And it was really disappointing that there was no one there on the Saturday. Uh, worse than, than Royal Ascot. Worse than Epsom, even, he, he thought. It's just a strange thing. And Ballybrit would have been the same. You know, you've got that... Galway Festival is just, it's alive. The whole city comes alive during that meeting. And the fact that there's nobody there means it's harder to push it than on TV. But yet they did a really good job. But I do wonder, genuinely, I'm, I'm wondering how many people are actually watching Irish racing this year. I honestly don't know. If Hey, if you're watching it, let us know. If you're not watching it, can you tweet us and just say, I'm, I am not watching as much Irish racing through no fault of my own this year. Let us know. I'd be interested to find out what the story is. Maybe we'll do a poll. That might be easier. Um, Polish Steel does appear to have approved for fences to be fair and was a winner for Jessica Harrington. Uh, I know it's a cliche, but sometimes, I think Jessica Harrington had a horse in similar colours called Ulan Bathar, who was all right over hurdles, but was really good over fences. He was an Irish Arkle winner. Jimmy Murphy rode him. Didn't he do yes. now? Yes, that's right. He won the Irish Arkle. I really like that horse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty certain they were the same colours. Um, I think you're right, yeah. He does seem to have improved for fences, Ryan. Yeah, um, I think that makes him two from two over fences. Um, the, the market was very interesting. 
person in this race. He was around 7 to 4, 15 to 8 on the Betfair Exchange the morning of the race. He's gone off 6.7. Um, I, th- I think a lot of it was got to do with the ground um, in conjunction with the money that was for Russian Diamond. Russian Diamond was much bigger early in the morning. Ended up going off 2.4, 5 um, BSP. He obviously fell. He doesn't look a natural jumper. He didn't really look a natural jumper over hurdles of Russian Diamond. He's just that type of horse that you're, you're kind of watching him on your nerves a little bit. You just don't know whether he's going to go into the fence and wing it or get in tight or land in it. He's just, he just doesn't look a natural to me. And um, he, he had made a few mistakes before he fell. Uh, he fell at the sixth fence. So it was obviously too too far out to know. I think it was the first one away from the stands to know what would have happened. But given the way they finished with a clear round, it would have been disappointing why Russian Diamond not to, to follow up last year's win at the festival, given the fact that my mannequin Echo went off 209 and the exchange finished second. Um, oh. He's an 11-year-old, graded 116. This is a grade three novice chase. Um, that doesn't happen too often. But no. Polish Steel was... He made one mistake, I think it was at the second last. Um, he actually done well to, to, to land at the back of it. Um, he came up the hill well, but I think going forward, he, he's definitely he's definitely a likeable dual-purpose horse, polished deal. But again, he's probably another horse, a bit like the very man. He's going to have to improve plenty to, to contest another grade three novice in the future. I think there's a grade three novice in Ross Common maybe in the next month or so. He might he might pitch up in that. But as I said, my mannequin echo finished second, which would then deform big time and we won't know what, what, what Russian Diamond would have done, but I'd imagine he would have went very close given the way they finished. Yeah, they were backing him as though defeat was out of the question, so it was a shame that he came down so early on. It would have been interesting to see what would have happened. Um, but that being said, Polly Steele can only beat what's put in front of him. That was a 100-to-1 shot who finished his second. The others didn't really <laughs> perform. Uh, bear in mind, there was a 300-to-1 shot in this race. Uh, Kate, your thoughts on the uh, Rockshore novice chase? Hmm. It, uh... It wasn't a field of impeccable jumping by any means this race. There was some very sketchy leaps by all of them at some point. So I'm not over, overly convinced by this, for albeit it is a grade three novice chase. Uh, the drying ground polished steel was a help for him in this race. Only 123 rated hurdler. So he was always going to have to improve to beat Russian Diamond in this, but evidently he was helped by the ball of Russian Diamond, as they all were. And polished steel was simply the best jumper in a bad bunch of jumping. Round, bad round of jumping for the rest of them but he uh, he really did guess two outs and came up a stride too soon barely made it so it was a fair effort for him to regather his momentum to the last fence and then run out the winner after having the stuffing taken out of him effectively but to be fair to the horse he, he was asked up relatively late by Puppy Bar and the horse did well not to step considering so we know that he's an honest horse therefore but he travelled the best throughout and if you had backed him you after the fall of Russian Diamond you're always going to have been confident yeah, my mannequin Echo he's such a cool horse <laughs> I really like him 11 year old he always tries jumps well nowadays and is uh, is consistent for all he's uh, only won the one chase start but um, who cares because he's just a great horse for connections and fans he's finished second in a grade 3 now so <laughs> it's uh, yeah not a great reflection for the race so as a whole Dime a dozen she uh, jumped badly on her penultimate start or start last later start going into this race and she made some bar- bad errors again here which put her out of contention for the win so clearly needs some work going forward Athol mentioned made a bad mistake that paid 20 chance he had 5 out yeah, and Russian Diamond, his fall was just, it was a strange fall. It was really novice So you can excuse it on the basis of his first start over fences, but he just breasted the fence after being on a perfectly good stride. And that fence is tricky because you run downhill to it, so it can catch them out. 
but he just didn't look balanced going into the fence even. So you can see why it went wrong for him. For all it was disappointing uh, to lose him from the race with still with a circuit to go. So he was pretty novicey there. So he's going to have to have a bit of work, you would have thought, to take board and to get him over that anyway. But yeah, not not massively convinced by the race. Um, but Polish Steel, I did sort of like his profile and I liked the ride that uh, Polish Power did give him, kind of just kidding him along into the bridle up to the finish. And, uh, and he was entitled to pull out the nine length win that he did. Last year, the late, great Wicklow Brave took this race. In 2017, it was won by Rathvinden. I do not see Polish Steel coming anywhere close to their records. No, I would, no, I, I think that's a very fair statement. Happy to be proved wrong, but I don't see it. The way I reviewed this race was, it's, it's funny you were saying about the amount, this was not a race for flawless jumping. Because for some reason my driving test popped into my head, my first one. And I just imagined if you were an instructor or a tester about jumping and when you were seeing mistakes being made, especially by Russian Diamond and that uh, notable error from Jessica's horse, I just remembered when I overtook in my first test and the tester went <sighs> and drew an X. How was it? How was a bicycle you overtake? I decided to just put the boot down. I was told, show confidence. Was it down a one-way street? No, it was, no I'm not that bad. I can bad. see now Jesus. why. Jesus Christ, I'm not that bad. Um, well, I failed, I failed my driving test first time around for driving too slow in a housing estate. Would you believe that? You see, that's ridiculous. Really? So I was doing about 20 kilometers an hour and he failed me for, he said, why were you driving? It was 30 kilometers. I said, I was in a housing estate. A kid can run out at any second. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's infuriating. There's there's a thing in Ireland where we th- we think we we did this on on the current affairs show about a year ago, where we think that there is a ploy to genuinely we think that there's a ploy to fail people deliberately. So you have to go and retake the test. I am willing to be corrected on that, but that's the case. That's my excuse anyway. As to why well, I went short, I was, I was like building me up buttercup that day. I went very short on the run and ended up failing. How many how many tests did you take, Ryan? No, that that was I just failed one and then passed the second time. I made sure I was flying around the house in the states. <laughs> Top speed, eighty kilometers an hour. Boom. Uh, Kate, for you. Oh, uh, so I'm deliberately keeping quiet here. For- First on the theory and first time chest, I have to say. <laughs> you got it straight away. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you fail the theory test, then get out of here. I'm not having that. You can't have that one, Kate. But the test itself, fine. <laughs> I paid for four driving tests. Four driving tests. But I didn't take four. There's a there's a caveat here. So I had a I had a Volkswagen Golf at the time. Uh, the first test I failed. The second test. Um, <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I was going out with a girl called Rachel, and she brought me to the test. I was what twenty two, and uh, they weren't calling my name, and I couldn't figure out why. I was a day late. I had the date oh. wrong. So, like today is the third of August. So basically, the test was second of August, and I was sitting there on the third of August. She never let me live that down. Still doesn't. Um, <laughs> then I paid for the third test, turned the ignition in the car and the tester went, sorry, we can't take the test. I went, what? The engine fault light is on. I went, no, no, no. The car is fine. It's just like, there's actually a, an issue with the engine fault light that happens with golf. And nope, can't take the test. That's it. I went, are you telling me my 80 quid is gone? He's like, yep. <gasps> what kind of a 
a scam, is it? Exactly, Kate. Exactly, Kate. Exactly. <laughs> and then uh, oh. when I finally then paid for the fourth, I took it and got it. Uh, and I remember being so nervous and feeling like, no, oh, they're going to fail me. They're going to find some way to fail me on this now, maybe because of incompetent <laughs> driving. But I got it, thankfully. And uh, yeah, I've just poured it all out there. There it is in the back of my mind. Uh, so four tests <laughs> did two. What an idiot. A day late. What a dumbo. Anyway, uh, the Guinness Handicap Hurdle went to Great White Shark. Does he get a flawless round of jumping or was the tester going, no, no, mistake, no, mistake. Uh, Kate Tracy. <laughs> no, no big red crosses and 80 pound next test for Great White Shark. <laughs> no, she, she 80 comes, quid uh, by really four. <laughs> the extra credit so yeah she's um yeah i thought she, i thought she jumped um she wasn't always a natural jumper prior uh she so she did improve it for all she did warm up to her job but she got better which was good to see so um especially considering she was right in the middle of a pack so she would have had excuses for sloppy jumping but she didn't she was neat and accurate it was a good performance by her to win that well on her second start for the week and for how keen she was throughout the race as well she no longer wears a hood and it seems to be a bit more settled uh, now and has matured a little bit more as a six-year-old. But she was still fairly keen, especially on the downhill runs. By Le Havre, though, just like Jon Snow, actually. So uh, he does seem to produce quirky enough types for all they do have ability. And on, on the back of that pipe opener she had in the old GBT on Monday of Galway, finished seventh. So she was right for this race. So, yeah, no, she's a, she would pass for me on this exam. So would the second horse, my sister Sarah. She would pass my driving test to <laughs> another very good race by her, considering the torrid time she had of things on the end of last season, falling in a mare's handicap hurdle leopard sound before being brought mm. down in the, in the boys race so it was nice to see her get back back in good hearts over hurdles after a good run on the flats uh Galway on the Monday Florin Porter he was keen on his uh, previous start going into the race settled well enough in this after being held up in rear so you can see those tactics being implemented again to teach him to settle further and there will definitely be a few more good wins in him still to come I would have thought Tobara I wouldn't be too disappointed with his run to be honest considering he went off favourite this was a much deeper race than he had previously contested to have the la gambles landed at Tipperary in Cork and then on his second place finish two days prior when bumping into one of Willie's Willie Mullins's horses in another handicap hurdle. So even under Simon Torrens's claim to offset the 14 pound penalty he was carrying, it was always going to be a tough ask on him to go and win this race for all. He looked very well for his races beforehand. Plus he didn't have an awful loss of luck in running either. So he's run well enough despite not necessarily it reading that way. But yeah, great white shark. Likes to see a settle a bit more so, but I did like the jumping performance she posted. This will be the last William Mullins horse that we'll be talking about who won at the Galway Festival. Uh, and it was a 1-2 for the Mullins Yard. Ten winners, six seconds. They had an unbelievable week, Ryan. Yeah, um, after any, any Irish festival these days, it just you'd expect William Mullins to have plenty of winners. One or two at, at a festival like this is not not going out of his yard. So, yeah, as you said, another great week for the team. Um, I suppose Great White Shark obviously loves Galway. She, that's her second win around there now. Uh, you can add that to a couple of good runs in the feet too. So um, she clearly goes well around Galway. I think the horse to take out a race for me was Diamond Hill. Um, finished fourth. Danny Mullins rode her, which would suggest that she, she obviously wasn't first or maybe not in second string. She went off 10.5 uh, on the exchanges. Um, she was running off a mark of 125. Considering she's listed class on the flat, 
that would suggest that she's a lot in hand off that mark. It was her first run in nine months and the right horse has finished around her. I think this this race can be probably marked up a little bit um, considering it on paper. Beforehand, it looked a strong race and all the right horses were around. Florian Porter was coming off the back of a win as a five-year-old. He's improved again to finish third. As Kate said, great white shark and my sister Sarah. Um, they both looked on decent marks going into the race as well. Um, Pilbara obviously ran second earlier in the week. Um, so the horse for me to take out of the race going forward is Diamond Hill. I'd imagine she'll take plenty of beating in a less competitive race next time. Um, but yeah, great white shark obviously saves some of her best for around Galway. Um, and she produced the goods again. But I think an interesting point to make in the race is that Paul Townen had opted to ride Canardier, who was, who was subsequently pulled out of the race over Great White Shark. Um, so I think wherever Canardier runs next, I'd imagine they think he's well handicapped off a mark of in around 145, considering Paul Townen was down to ride the horse. So going forward, Canardier and Diamond Hill um, are the two I'd be taking out of races. I'd imagine the handicapper will give Great White Shark at least £10. So that might stop her the next day away from Galway. Last race to talk about is the Arthur Guinness Chase 7.15. The storyteller, who we referred to earlier on, uh, gets the better of sub-lieutenant and does so in great style. So protected by Davy Russell when things had not gone well, uh, but ironically enough, was not sent off favourite for this race, which I was a little bit surprised at. I'm not after timing. I didn't have a financial interest in the race, but I was surprised that Live, Love, Laugh, it must have been the, the Willie Mullins record, um, he's an expensive horse to follow. He's disappointing. And again, sent off favourite for this race, but the storyteller uh, took took the, the prize. Uh, Ryan, in terms of the bet for exchange, was was there a late flurry of cash for the storyteller or was he uneasy? Um, the storyteller was definitely weak late on. He, he's nearly BSP 4-1, to one, just under 4-1. to one. Being around 6-4, to four, I think he was matched at around um, after Robin DeFore and, and Kupatana came out. So although he was top rated in the race, um, as you said, he was sent off a big price in the end. There wasn't a flurry, flurry of cash for Live Love Laugh. It was more Blazer at Live Love Laugh, Sub Lieutenant. They all kind of shortened up together along with along with Mengley Khan, but it turned out to be very straightforward for the storyteller. Um, as you said, Davy Russell obviously injured himself in the place. He aggravated a back injury, pulled the horse up after he made a slight mistake. Um, and it was great for Keith Donahue to, to, ride, to ride him here. Obviously, he's had weight struggles in the past. Um, along with getting a bad fall on Felix Stagey. Obviously, would have been delighted to get the call up on Felix Stagey and then for for him to fall and the race not to turn out the way he had hoped. Um, it was great to see him get up from that fall and go and ride a winner. He, he rode another winner again today at, at Roscommon. So it's great to see him back riding winners. He's obviously well capable of riding, riding winners, as we've seen with Tiger Roll in the, in the cross country. So um, I think it was a good result all around. The storyteller's a really high-class horse on his day. Um, he's a nine-year-old now, but um, judged on this effort, you'd like to think that that um, there's another couple of wins in him. Um, if they could find another few races like this, conditions races, small fields, I think he, he could be best under these circumstances. He wasn't he wasn't on back for the Galway play a couple of days earlier in the week. He went off around a 16 or 18 to 1 chance. So um, I think it was a good result all around for, for Keith Dunahoo to go back on a winner considering he was on the ground in the Galway hurdle and... Um, yeah, no, it was fairly straightforward. I don't think there's too much to discuss about the race. He travelled, he jumped, and he cruised away and um, and won by, by nearly 10 lengths in the end. So, um, yeah, I think it was a good result all around, as I said. He's a Cheltenham Festival hero and has just been a dream for his connections. That was back in 2018. Uh, I remember being there and seeing him win. And, uh, oh God, he went agonisingly close this year when he was just done by stable companion, Sarah de Burley. Keith Dunne, who is genuinely one of the nicest people you will meet and is a very, very talented jockey. It was great for him to get that win 
for all the reasons that Ryan said. But uh, briefly, Kate Tracy, the storyteller. Yeah, just it, it was it was a perfect story. I mean, after he pulled up in the Galway plate, you're kind of looking where he was entered for the rest of the week and and after how well Davy Russell had looked after him. So you saw him coming into this race and with a few of them with um attitude queries, hmm. I guess is probably gonna be the most diplomatic way I'm gonna put it for now. I mean they're an older bunch, so you can't really I Blazer would have been the one whose attitude I would trust, but he was a. Uh, oh, I mean, he had a lot to find. Think of nineteen pound to find with the storyteller here. So he was never really likely to make too many inroads with him. Mengu Khan travelled through the race really nicely, which is something we didn't really see from him last season. But he wasn't able to back up his win last time out. Sub lieutenant, you could see the plan of him uh, trying to force the issue. Rachel Blackmore trying to send him down to his fences, but it, <laughs> he put down on the first two fences. So I think Rachel resided herself that this is an 11 year old who knows his own mind. And yeah, just as I was saying earlier for the storyteller, similar to York Hill, who unseated in the plate before winning this race last year, that this can work out quite well for albeit there were only two days in between the races as opposed to normally the four day between the races so yeah it was just a uh, getting into uh, Keith Donner who got him into a really nice rhythm the storyteller behind the pretty speedy enough fractions being set early on by sub-lieutenant so it was a place to be and he jumped really well throughout bar having to fiddle one with a circuit to go at the last and he's just um yeah he's relatively bolted up from a pretty muddling bunch of just older wiser horses in behind <laughs> I know we're talking about jump sources, but just one flat race to talk about at Galway and then any other business from the team as well. I got a lovely email from Thomas Patterson, who's a long-time listener to the Final Furlong podcast, and he was asking about Flying Scotsman. At the time, he was still in, and if he was to go and win his third race at the Galway Festival, would that be some sort of a record? The Encyclopedia of Knowledge, Rory Delargy, is not here, Thomas, so I can't tell you, to be honest about it. I don't think so. If it has happened, tweet me, let me know. However, a number of direct messages uh, from people who were not amused. Zero, nine, nine, zero. And he might have been one of the best backed horses of the day when he won the first handicap. And then he goes in again. Uh, What did you make of it, Ryan? Yeah, um, obviously he stepped up to a mile and a half um, the first day. So improving the form obviously came from um, the step up and trip. That was fair enough, but then he was dropped and took to a mile and one the following evening and won again. So I don't know what they were going to say after after he won over a mile and one. Um, I actually thought he might be vulnerable the following night, just dropping back and trip. But he just looks a horse that saves a bit for himself. I'd say that's why he put the cheap pieces on. Mm. Um, he was always kind of holding them to the line. It was interesting. I know Busted Tycoon has won three in the week and go away. One cool poet. Um, oh, of course, one cool poet. Oh, how did I forget? Yeah. But I don't. But I don't think. It, well, I'm probably nearly 100 percent that no horses won three times in Galway week, two in Galway, one away from Galway. So if he had a run in Leperstown, that would have probably been a first. Mm. So obviously, Galway generally it's, it's always a standalone meeting for the week in Ireland. So um, it would be an interesting where he to where he to win in Leperstown. He obviously, I think the, the excuse is off field, which is fair enough. He, he had too hard enough races during the week, but he beat the right horse the first night he won. He beat Dark Voyager who came out and, and bolted in on, on Sunday for, for winning one. So uh, if we knew that going into the second night, uh, he, he might have been back. But yeah, no, it was, you get them every year at Galway, horses that are unexposed um, and are kind of probably laid out, laid out for the festival. And he was just another one of them horses. Yeah, that's the thing, is that every single year this happens. So we shouldn't be that surprised, really. There's always, from from some connection, everyone wants to try and land a touch. And 
I remember speaking to Johnny Murta. They hadn't lined one up, but he had a winner. And I was in the press room with him at Goodwood. And the owners were ringing him up and they were going nuts. And Johnny was like, it's just a, it's just a small race at Galway. But it was on telly and it's Galway and people go nuts for it. Like the prize money wasn't even that much, but they didn't care. They'd won at Galway. So that's one of the things that goes on, I guess. But it it just, it was odd that the, that were his form figures and he was going off favourite. And uh, and then especially when he was dropped back in trip as well. That was in my head too, Ryan. Um, we had Goodwood on. We've already talked about it with Nick Luck and Jess Stafford. Uh, Ryan, you first. Any highlights from Goodwood? Um, I suppose there has to be my heart around the Sussex. Um he was obviously really impressive. Again, turn of foot he, he showed was um, was electrifying. Really, when when I looked looked at the race dice, although it kind of kills me to say it a little bit, I think that's as good as Siskin is. Um, mm-hmm. I find it hard to turn the form around. Obviously, Kamiko was very unlucky. I think Kamiko would probably turn the form around with Siskin. So, uh, as far as Siskin goes, he obviously went off favour for the race. He just looks that looks his level to be honest. Uh, everything kind of went right for him in the race. He got a nice run through, switched wide. Mohata had to come from behind him. Chemico never got a run on the rail. He just didn't pick up as well as he did in the Irish Guineas. And the Irish Guineas, the form of that race now would, would look suspect. So um, it's probably disappointing for Jerry Lines. He probably has to go back to the drawing boards a little bit. And even if he does stay stay to his own age, Miko's going to be a formidable threat to him the next day if they, they did happen to meet. Um, but it, it, it bodes well for Mohata going forward. He's obviously beaten the three-year-olds now, beaten probably the best of the three-year-olds. Obviously, Pinatubo wasn't there, but when you go through a line of Wichita, who finished fifth, well-beaten, I don't know how Pinatubo is going to turn forward, going to beat Mohata. So, um, yeah, great to see Marcus Tregoning back in the big time. And going forward, he's going to be very hard to beat in these races, given the fact now that the three-year-olds shouldn't pose a threat. I would have to agree with Ryan on that. And I, I think that's probably where Siskin is. As the head of the Siskin fan club, Kate Tracy, <laughs> your response? Uh, no, to, <laughs> am I that, was that my new appointment? That's your it? t- it's <laughs> one of your many titles. Thank you very much. I will take president instead of the Siskin fan club. Yeah, it's um, no to Sorry, Miss President. I don't think he... Yes, exactly. I don't really think that, yeah, he had too many excuses. I do just think that Mahatha was the best source on the day. And I know we sort of talk about Kameko and the torrid time he had and where he ended up. And it was kind of sort of always going to be an issue from his draw that he was going to end up exactly there with Circus Maximus going forwards. But I think Ashim Murphy was being a bit hard on himself and I don't necessarily think that he would have beaten Mahatha because I think he, I mean, it's been so well documented now, hasn't it, that Mahatha had himself an absolutely torrid run. How he had to quicken twice was just, uh, was, was yeah, amazing really, for albeit it is a, a speedy enough mile there at Goodwood where it would lend itself a little bit more so to that. But I thought he was so impressive. Circus Maximus, always overlooked with his blink has run another cracker and behind. Oh. So I, I just, um, I do think Siskin has run his race definitely. It was just a perfect chance to compare him. He's behaved himself in the source. He's traveled well. He hasn't had as many hard luck in running stories as the rest of them. And Mahatha bring on the Breeders' Cup turf mile as well. So I just think that will suit him down to the ground. And so I wanted to bypass him for the Sussex Stakes and hoping he may just run into a place and he might be overlooked then shipping over to, uh, to Keeneland. But I just, um, yeah, so hopefully that's where he's going to go now because I just think it would be ideal for him he's got he travels so well through his races he has such a turn of foot he'd be I, I know the bends 
aren't as tight there as some of the other US tracks. But mm-hmm. at the same time, he's nippy and compact enough that he'll be able to deal with conditions. You would have thought better ground as well likely to come up. So he's very exciting going forwards. QE2 next. But given this is the Rona year, the year of the Rona, um, everything has changed. So the Breeders' Cup is pushed back, which means that it actually fits really well in his schedule. So QE2, mm-hmm. Breeders' Cup mile, done. Probably retirement then. Uh, because that's one of the things that Hamdan Al-Maktoum was talking about over the weekend, how he really wants a, a proper good sire, and he, he looks like it, to be fair. Uh, I got him badly wrong. Um, one of the juveniles from the week, Steel Bull, has not only been supplemented for the Phoenix Stakes at the Curra, he will also now wear new colours. He's been privately purchased and will wear the speaking colours colours. Um, mm. He will stay with Michael Callahan, which is great, and... Um, that will be his next trip. He was really good. So looking forward to seeing what he does. Uh, Phoenix Stakes, he'll be taking on a lot of the O'Brien team there and uh, it should be good. Um, Ryan, your takeaway horse from Galway that you are keen to back next time out. Um, I'd have to go with Diamond Hill, Emmett. Uh, 125. I'd imagine, considering she finished fourth, she won't go up maybe a pound. Can't can see it going up too much more than that. And in a less competitive race, it would look at Jimmy to me, having had the run under her belts obviously wasn't the, the most fancied horse out of the yard on the day. So, um, yeah, I mentioned it earlier on Diamond Hill, I think, will we'll win next day. Okay, Tracy. And it can't be a lay-in running bet. <laughs> a lay-in play. <laughs> I've got loads of those. <laughs> I'm full of those from this week. Um, uh, I guess big anti-post Aramon for the champion hurdle, because I do think he is that quality. But one who might go off a big enough price that I think has learned to settle, it's going to be Flooring Porter, who finished in behind Great White Shark in the Great B Handicap hurdle there on the Friday because he's just settling much better. If those tactics are implemented, I think he's a, he's nicely enough treated where he should be getting a win sooner rather than later. The Goodwood Review with Nick Luck and Jess Stafford is available now on all podcast apps and some rubbish ones as well. And uh, if you would share this on social media and all that malarkey, we'd really appreciate it. Ryan, great having you back on the show. Looking forward to your next appearance. Yeah, cheers, Emma. Really enjoy it. Kate Tracy, a pleasure as always. The pleasure was all mine. Like, really enjoyed it. I'm off to go and have a sleep because I haven't slept for about three days camping. So enjoy talking about horses with you both. Thanks very much. See, that's the thing. First of all, you're not delirious. So that just goes to show you again how good you are. Secondly, (laughs) that's why nobody should go camping. You can't sleep and I need my sleep. So no, not for me. Um, Thanks very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. We're back on Thursday with our preview of Best Bets for the weekend. Hope you enjoy that. Chat to you soon. Take care of yourself. God bless. Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange, proud sponsors of the Final Furlong podcast. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracescom forward slash app for more details.